Breaking walls. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for being a chain-breaking, mountain-moving, yoke-destroying, stronghold-tearing-down type of God who loves us so incredibly that you gave us your son, Jesus. Now, God, we pray that as we get into your word that you would do something in our hearts. Don't just move mountains, but God, if it's necessary, move me. Help me to hear from you so that I can be more of what you have called me to be. God, we thank you and we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated if you can. Well, good morning, Tri-Cities Church. You all look beautiful as always. Let me just say uh, to all of our mothers, grandmothers, surrogate mothers, mothers at heart, spiritual mothers, if you mama anybody anytime in your life, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Fellas, y'all should be clapping right there. Y'all don't embarrass the pastor now. I said happy Mother's Day. <laughs> we, are, we are thankful that you chose to join us. Real quick before we get into the word, uh, if this is your first, second, third time with us, or if you've never filled out a guest card, we want to encourage you to do that. They're right in front of you in your seat. It's the connection card. Fill it out. Give us some information about yourself. We promise we won't show up at your house. We promise we won't bug you. All we want to do is to know a little bit more about you. And then if you have a prayer request, whether you're new with us or not, place that on the back because our staff, elders, prayer team, we actually do pray for those every week so that you know someone is praying for you. And then if this is your first, second, or third time, if you never filled this out and got your guest gift, fill that out and then Right in the back, under the next step sign, you will receive a free gift for joining us this morning because we understand there are plenty of places to worship and we are grateful that you chose us on this Mother's Day. If this is your first time with us or if you missed last week, we started a new series. It's a short series, just three weeks called Live Again. And so I would encourage you, uh, if you have not heard that message, to go back and listen to it. You can go on the website, uh, but also now as of last week, Tri-Cities Church has launched a mobile app. And so, as a matter of fact, if you have a smartphone, pull it out right now. I promise the usher's not going to come and take your phone. Pull it out right now, and you can go into your app store, whether you're iPhone or that other uh, group. What is it? Android? Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can do that. Go into your, in your app store, search Tri-Cities Church. That's Tri-Cities and download the mobile app. It's absolutely free. Great way to catch up on the messages. There's a Bible reading plan. Sign up for the notifications. That way we can continue to let you know what's going on in your church. It's a great tool. You can also use it to give directly from your phone. And so it's a great tool. Make sure that you download that and you share it with others. So we are in week two of a series called Live Again. What we've done is because we're coming off of celebrating the resurrection, we decided to let's look at some of the other stories of resurrections in the Gospels. And there are three occasions where Jesus resurrected people from the dead. And so one of the challenges of this series, even though it's short, is for us to stop merely existing and start living. That God gives us another chance. You remember this in Ephesians chapter 2 where Paul says that we were once dead because of our sins, but because of Christ we now live. And my hope and prayer for you in this short three-week series is that you'll get some sound bites and some principles that will help you to learn how to really live again. You're getting a second chance that the resurrection has reordered your entire history. And no matter what you've been through in your life, God has given us a chance to live again. And so I want to just make sure that you have that thought as I talk a little bit about 
a mom this morning that Jesus actually, he resurrects her son. So I want to start here because here's something I learned when I was a, a young girl preacher. I'm still young, okay? I'll be 41 next month, so I'm still young and fresh. But when I was a young girl preacher, I learned that, that Mother's Day can be sort of a complicated day. That we celebrate and we should, but there are those of us who have different experiences. Like if I could just share with you uh, openly, like I had two different experiences. I knew my, my grandmother and my mother's side a lot more than I knew my grandmother and my father's side. And then my mom, and there were two totally different women. Like my grandma, some of y'all heard a little bit about my grandma. She was the one who, uh, her and my grandfather, my mother's father and mother, they lived on a farm and in those summers we would spend with them. And so grandma was one of those people, you, some of you around, you remember this story, she loved wrestling. Y'all remember that? And, and unfortunately, she had lost her legs to diabetes, and I was one of her favorites, of course. And so because, why y'all laughing? We used to watch wrestling. That was back in the days when it used to come on at midnight, and she'd sit me in her lap in her wheelchair, and my grandma did snuff. Stop, gra- stop judging my grandma. You know you got grandmas like that. And she did snuff, and she cussed at the wrestlers, and she kept a 38 special under her mattress. Y'all know Big Mama Medea, you know those kind of grandmas, right, that she don't play about her kids. And I had a totally different experience because my grandma was one way, but then my mother uh, was another way, but she was also fiercely protective of her kids. As a matter of fact, one of my fondest memories of my mom is one that you probably wouldn't think was a fond memory. I remember I was a freshman in high school, and um, I had stopped going to class. And there are a lot of different reasons why that happened. As I grew up, I learned why some of the things that I struggled with. But at the time, I just knew I couldn't handle it. I went from a middle school with a couple of hundred kids to a big, you know, gigantic high school. It was too much. And so I stopped going to class. And, and I remember my, my mother got a letter from the school district that I had been skipping school. And OK, let's just call it what it is. I had dropped out. Because that's what it is when you don't go to school. Like for years I try to cover that up, but let's just call it what it is. I had missed like 30 classes in the first semester, like I, I was a dropout. And she got a letter, and uh, I remember I went home, very fond memory of my mom, went home, my door to my room uh, was closed. And I knew that something was going to go down because the, the door to my room was never closed. And so I, I kind of opened the door and cracked it, and my mom was sitting on the bed, and she had the letter in her hand, and she started waving the letter. She said, what's this? And she threw it on the floor. And then I bent down to pick it up, and y'all know the rest. <laughs> Let's just say when I woke up, I needed a haircut. Because <laughs> my parents believed in corporal punishment. Two different, two different experiences, but, but mothers the same way. And, and, and Isaiah sort of picks up on this theme before I even get into the resurrection story for today. Because there's something significant about this day, because many of us have different experiences. I want you to hear what Isaiah says in chapter 13 of book six of chapter 66, verse 13. He says this, I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts her child. Why is that important? Because before we even get into the resurrection story for today, I want us just share a little bit about the complications of today because uh, when Israel was in captivity, 
they were coming back home from captivity, that, that they had messed up again, and because they had messed up again, God allowed another nation to take them over and drag them off into captivity, and so now they're free from their captivity, except there are two different waves of people that come home. So the first wave of people went back to Jerusalem, and it was an extraordinary experience. They loved it. It was great to be back home in the city, in the place where they had established as a city for God, and then the second wave comes home, and the second wave of people didn't have the same experience. And here they are occupying the same space and the same place that they're from, the same family, but they had two different experiences. And, and God says something that's interesting through Isaiah because they had two different extreme experiences in the same family. Some of us in here, we have different experiences on today. Some days for us, it's a joyous day. For some of us, it can be complicated. For some of us, there are those who have lost children. There are mothers who may have not been able to have children. There are all different sorts of experiences in this room. It is vast, but here's what God says that comes as a comfort to his family because he's painting, Isaiah's painting this picture of, of Israel as an adult child who's struggling because there's some highs and some lows. We, we love coming back, but we kind of struggle coming back. Same family, sharing the same space. Here's what God says that's so beautiful. He says, I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts their child. He says, no matter what your experience is, here's my promise to you that there's something that you need that's going to help you navigate the variety of experiences that you have when you're sharing the same space, when you're sharing the same day, when you're sharing the same holiday. And for some people it's good and for some it's bad and for some it's complicated and some of us stand in between. Some of us don't know who our mother was. Some of us lost a mother. Some mothers have lost children. We're occupying the same space and it's complicated. Here's what God says to Israel, who he's talking to as an adult child. I will comfort you as a mother comforts her child. In other words, Isaiah says, there's a special kind of love that God gives to those of us who are occupying the same space, struggling with the same thing. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. Maybe I don't know what to do with this day. But here's a promise that God makes. God says there's this type of love that you need when you're dealing with the highs and lows of life, especially today. And the best description I can give you is just a love that can only be attributed to a mama. And then he says, and I'll make sure you get it even if it's complicated, even if you don't have a mama, even if you're struggling, he says, there's this type of love that the world should never go without, and I'll give it to you even if I have to do it myself. The world, watch this, will never be without the love that can only be attributed to a mother. He says, I'll do it, because that's what you need. It's complicated. I get it, and I don't have all the answers, but what I do know is that God makes a promise that there is this extravagant type of love that everyone needs when they're struggling, and even if God has to mama you himself, God says, I promise you'll never go without that type of love. And That's beautiful because in the story that we're going to look at today of the resurrection, it involves a mama who lost her baby. A mama who Jesus is drawn to because God made a promise in the Old Testament that there's this kind of love that you need when you're struggling in the highs and the lows. And even though it might be complicated, he says, I promise you one thing, you won't go without it because I'll always be there for you. This is why I love this resurrection story. It's actually the first 
of the stories of Jesus resurrecting people from the dead. Last week we started with Lazarus, but this one was the first one that was recorded. And I love that it starts with Jesus and his compassion for a mama who lost her baby. Luke chapter 7, verse 7, verses 11 through 15. I want to read this story to you, and then I want to discuss maybe there's some other things that were resurrected in this story that we can learn to resurrect as we honor women, as we honor mamas, as we honor the fact that God says there's a love that the world needs. And the closest description I can give of what that love looks like is it looks like a mama's love. Listen to this story in Luke chapter 7. It says, soon afterward, Jesus went to his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate, and the young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. Did you catch what Luke says? I don't know if you knew this, but Luke was detailed. Luke was a physician. Luke captures details that the other gospel writers don't capture. He says it was a mama who lost her son, and don't miss this, she was a widow, which meant in those days and in that custom that because her son died, that she was likely to be left alone on her own with no one to help take care of her. All her resources would have been stripped from her. She would have been someone who was in desperate need of God's love. And Luke says that not only did she lose her son, but at some point, we don't know how far back, she lost her husband. And it says that the young man who had died was a widow's only son. A large crowd from the village was with her. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, which, by the way, would have been uh, illegal for him to do, spiritually speaking, because anytime you touch anything dead, it would have rendered him unable to perform services in the temple. You know what's good about Jesus? He's always touching stuff and folks that society says don't mess with. He says, and the bearer stopped, then he says, young man, I tell you, get up. Verse 15, then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. I'm going to add another verse. I don't know if it's on the screen. Verse 16, and great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us, and he has visited his people today. So I need you to kind of catch this scene. Because Jesus is now walking into a village called Nain. And there's no other recorded place in the Gospels where Jesus visits this city. I don't know why he went there. I don't know what business he had going there. I don't know if he was going to meet someone. This is the only place in all the four Gospels where we see Jesus going to visit a city called Nain. And Luke paints this picture. He says that as Jesus was going into the city... Here comes another crowd that's coming out of the city. You remember this last week, we said that it was Jewish custom that people were buried on the day that they died. And so this was a fresh wound. This had just happened. This wasn't something that happened a couple of weeks ago. This had just happened. And the entire community was heading out of the city so they can bury this young man and grieve with this widow. And then Jesus and his followers, the church, was going into the city. And then Luke says, you got two groups, two different experiences from two different times. They're making their way. And then right at the gate, there's a collision of two different experiences. Sort of like in Israel when the two different groups came home, when there were two different 
experiences. And here they are occupying the same space with two different experiences. On one hand, you got the crowd that's following Jesus because Jesus has been doing great stuff and they start to love Jesus. And so they're upbeat and they're happy and there's a celebration. Yeah, we get to follow Jesus and see what he does next. And then on the other side, there's a widow who's grieving, losing her son and an entire community is following behind her, grieving and crying. And then all of a sudden there is a collision right at the gate. Two different groups, two different experiences, two different sets of emotions, and Jesus stops the crowd. I'm so glad that there are moments in my life where I'm having highs and lows. You know what it is. You don't have to say anything about it. Where you have two different extremes, or one on Monday you're up here, and by Friday you're down here. You know what I'm talking about. Some of us, I'm up here. By the end of the day, I'm down here. Anything could throw me off. You know what I'm talking about, where I'm up and then I'm down. There's two different experiences. There are two different me's that are walking around at all times. There's always a struggle. And then Jesus finds a way somewhere in the middle of that to bring some calm to the situation. Two groups, two experiences, two sets of emotions. And then in this moment, I think that Jesus not only just resurrects a young boy, I see in this text, if you hang with me, that there are three resurrections that our culture desperately needs. Because remember, we said that we want to teach you how to live again, that we live in a world where most of us at best are just existing. We get up, we punch a clock, we go to work, we go home, we feed our kids, we go to bed, we do it all over again. That's not life. And there are some things that perhaps our culture has allowed to die that I think from this story we can learn how to give that same type of love that God talks about in Isaiah that's needed when people are dealing with ups and downs and ins and outs and two different emotions and I don't know which way is up and which way is down and I'm struggling and God steps in the middle. Jesus steps into the middle of two different crowds and he brings some calm and resurrects something that I think perhaps needs to be resurrected in our culture. All right, so my note takers, take this down because I'm just going to work this text. Number one, there is a resurrection of compassion that if we are going to really live anybody ever notice this that our world seems to be far less compassionate than it used to be where where people don't even really care about one another anymore that that you can you can have these two total different experiences but here's what our world has done that if you've had a different experience than me then I can't love you You know what I'm talking about, that there's two different experiences. Some of us, it's good, and for some of us, it's bad. It might not even be today. It might be your life that you grew up a different way or you vote a different way or we're doing things differently, that we've come to the same space in the same time, two different experiences, two different people. And can I just tell you something? What we've allowed to happen is we've allowed our willingness to be compassionate is died. And I think that Jesus wants to resurrect compassion. Did you catch what the text says? That as these two different crowds were walking and two different directions and there was a collision it says watch this verse 13 when the Lord saw her heart his heart was overflowed with compassion what happened to us actually caring about people who are hurting well what happened to the church when we stopped caring about the fact That just because someone has a different experience than you, it doesn't mean that we are allowed to dismiss their pain and their suffering and their story and their hurt. And through all of this, Jesus stopped both crowds and saw her. And it says 
He was moved with compassion. I don't know if you know this, but in Greek, that word literally means that his bowels turned. In other words, he was so compassionate that his stomach turned because he saw somebody that was hurting. When is the last time you saw somebody that was hurting so bad that it just made your stomach turn? Come on now, we look at the news and we see things happening all the time and we say that's sad and we turn the station and go about our business. How many times have I driven by someone or I've had someone in my circle or someone that I know about that I go to school with or it's in my neighborhood or maybe watch this, someone that I don't even know at all. And it says that Jesus, because remember I said that this is his first time in Nain. He didn't know this woman from Adam, never met her, didn't know these people, had never been to this city a day in his life. And still there was something about this moment that drove him to have compassion. Can we as Christians resurrect this thing that God gave us? Because Paul says that we are to comfort those who have need comfort the same way that God has comforted us. What happened to us where we stop living and we stop being human, where we stop loving and stop showing compassion? Because nowadays it's all about whether or not, watch this, if I can win. That we'll step on anybody and everybody that we can to get our way to the top. But I was taught as a young preacher, be careful who you step on on the way up. Because on the way down, you're going to have to face those same people. Can I just say something? Uh, you cannot treat somebody any better than what you think about them in private. You know that thing, right? When you run into somebody and it's awkward and you're wondering what happened, they can't hardly speak to you. And maybe some of you, that's been you, where I can't hardly speak to someone because of what I'm privately thinking about them, what I'm privately trying to decide about them. Watch this, with no evidence whatsoever. Jesus didn't know this lady. He didn't know this town. He didn't know these people. And without even knowing them, there was something that was resurrected. He says in verse, Luke says in verse 13, that his heart overflowed with compassion. We have no knowledge of what actually happened to the boy. And that kind of bothers me because as a child, you know how it is. You want to know what happened. Can I tell you why it's not important? Because the moment you know what happened is an opportunity for you to pass judgment. Because you know how it is. Well, he shouldn't have did that. Well, maybe he shouldn't have been outside at that time. Well, maybe he should have been hanging out with those people. You know how you are. Come on, now, I'm going to get real with you this morning. The stuff that I think about people when I see them going through something, well, if you just spent your money better, then you wouldn't have been in that. You know what I'm talking about. Stop buying all those clothes. Stop buying. And Jesus says, I don't know anything about them. I don't have to know a backstory. Just because of who I am, I gave compassion. That what happened is not as important as what I'm called to do. See, we desperately need we desperately need to learn again as a church to resurrect compassion because the moment that we take compassion out of our lives, we're no longer living a human life. <laughs> you know why it's so easy to treat people any type of way? It's because we dehumanize them. Watch this. Because the reason why it's not important is because if, if I knew what happened, then I would start to look at him for his issue instead of him as a person. And maybe it's important that you don't even know what happened to the boy. It's not important because Jesus decides to give compassion without any backstory. This is just who he is. And as Christians, this is just who we're supposed to be. The reason why I'm struggling living is because I'm attaching issues to people I should be compassionate to. 
So you got to be careful when your compassion, watch this, is controlled by conjecture. You know what conjecture is. It's your opinion. It's what I think happened. It's what I thought should happen. It's what I thought about that person with no backstory, no information, no history. And can I just tell you something? We are slowly allowing ourselves as human beings to erode away because all of our compassion these days is based on what I think I know about you. What I think you should have done. Where I think your problem really lies. Text says Jesus didn't know anything about this lady or the boy. What happened? And, and can I just say this again? Be careful when your compassion for people who are hurting is based on conjecture. That's your opinion. And, and can I just say this with you? That most of the times when we do that, you don't even realize this is what's happening. I'm guilty of it too. I'm deciding in my mind and in my heart who deserves grace. Can I just tell you something? That all of us are in need of Jesus. All is level at the foot of the cross. There are no degrees to grace. Can I just say something now? I'm about to bowl down your lane. There are no degrees to people's sin and their issues. And what we've done is we've categorized stuff according to the ways that I want to show compassion to people because, well, she's not that, so I can love her. Well, he's not that. You know what it is. Well, we judge everybody's issue as long as it's not the same one as mine. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Man, it's quiet. You know what it is, right? That person has a problem. Can I just tell you, we got to be careful when we judge people who sin differently than us. Ah, i got to say that again because I don't think some of y'all caught it. Be careful when you're judging people just because they sin differently than you. Jesus knew nothing about this lady, nothing about her family, nothing about what happened to the boy. He wasn't there to make judgments. He was there to show compassion. See, loving people is right even when you can't personally relate. That's, that's who we are. We, we need to resurrect that, that I love people because it's the right thing to do even if I can't relate. Two different crowds, two different experiences, coming from two different places, headed in two different directions, and Jesus didn't stop the crowd so that he could judge. He stopped his crowd because even though I can't relate, I've never lost a child, my job is to love you even if I can't relate to you. And we have allowed in our society our love to be predicated on whether or not I can agree with you. Jesus says, Stop everything. That there's something that needs to be resurrected here called compassion. Without even knowing the story, he, he, he shows compassion. I love what Dr. Richard Swenson says in his book called Mars. And if you're looking for a good book, I recommend that you read it. Uh, it's about creating space between your load and your limits. Here's what he says. He says, our relationships are being starved to death by velocity. No one has time to listen, let alone love. Some of the issue is that we're moving so fast and we're so connected to our crowd that we don't have time to stop and recognize when somebody just needs to be loved. Don't allow the velocity of your life. I know you're busy. You got soccer. You got all this stuff. But can I just tell you something? We were not created to bypass situations where somebody needs to experience the love of God. Jesus slowed him down just enough so that he can, he can show compassion. So number one, we need to resurrect compassion. Number two, we need to resurrect 
communication. There's a story of a girl who, uh, she's in a store with her mom, and she, and you know how little kids can be, like when they want your attention, they don't care what you got going on. So, so the little girl was just pulling her mom's jacket. Mama, mama, mama. Okay, sweetie, hold on, hold on. I'll give it to you in a second. She's talking to a salesperson. Mama, mama, mama. Sweetie, hold on. I'll be with you in a second. Mama, mama, mama. Sweetie, come on. I'll be with you in a second. I'm sorry, sir. I'll be with you in a second. Mama, mama. She turned around. Look. None of y'all ever yell at your kids before. She said, if I hear you say mama one more time, I'm taking you to the bathroom. Y'all know what that means, right? Do I got any DFAX workers in here? Okay. okay, I'm just making sure I don't. About 30 seconds later, she pulls a tug on her shirt. Excuse me, miss. <laughs> what are you saying? Sometimes when it comes to communication, we got to learn how to change our approach. Can I be honest with you? Some of the stuff that we've been saying and doing in person and online ain't working. And when it comes to how we communicate with one another, maybe it's time to switch our approach because after all, we're the ones who are supposed to go out in the world and share the love of God with others. And can I just be honest with you? Sometimes I look on social media and I'm thinking, what you're saying ain't going to get it. That's not going to help anybody feel loved. That's not going to help anybody be encouraged. That's not going to help anybody be inspired to do better. Sometimes we got to change our approach. Did you catch what it says that after Jesus touched the boy, verse 15, the, then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. So I don't mean anything to you, but in Greek, it's more than just small talk. That The word there in Greek means that he sat up and began to express the deep things of his heart. My question is, what happened that you died with that on your heart? What happened that we created an atmosphere and an environment where we can no longer talk to one another and be civil? Can we resurrect communication? Can we resurrect some decency? Can we resurrect some compassion to where I never have to, especially in the church, come in and be afraid to tell my story? Because that's who we are. It says that the dead boy got up and started saying some deep things in his heart. There's some stuff that perhaps he had on, on his mind or on his heart that, that maybe he took it to his grave with him. Maybe that might be even the thing that killed him is bottling up some of the stuff that he should be able to express. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you about how if you got some stuff on your chest and in your heart, you need to have somebody to talk to. Because you know May is mental health. Awareness Month, can I just tell you that if you don't have anybody to talk to, go see a counselor. As a matter of fact, we have one that has an office right here in this building. Go on the website, make an appointment. Don't die with stuff that you should have said that you're too afraid to say. Can we resurrect communication and start to talk to one another again? Can, can we have compassion for those who, who have a different story than us? Look, brother, I don't know that. I can't lie and tell you that I know how it feels to go through what you go through. But can I just tell you, if you need someone to talk to, call me. Because we kind of allow that to die. So, so can I just make this statement? Don't let the crowd control your communication. But what's interesting is 
We don't know what he said, but whatever he said, watch this, it was important enough that even Jesus didn't say anything. Even Jesus didn't cut the boy off when he started to express himself. Can I just say something? Some of us, we listen to respond, not listen to care. And whatever he was saying, it was important enough that even God in the flesh turned his ear to hear what's on your heart. Some of us are so stressed out because we don't have anybody who cares to listen to what's going on in our hearts. So can I just ask you what voices matter the most? Because you notice that both crowds had to shut up and let him say what needed to be said. Can I just say this? Don't die holding on to difficult dialogue. There's some stuff right now that's on your heart that you need to say to somebody and you're scared. But, but Jesus silenced both crowds. I love what, what Jesus says in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5 because he even has this precedent of us knowing that it's all about how we communicate with one another. Matthew chapter 5, I'm just going to paraphrase it. Uh, Jesus is talking about if, if you have an issue with your brother and sister, he says when you, when you come to the altar, the altar signifies that I'm going to worship and I'm going to make a sacrifice, I'm going to pray. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, he says, if you have, watch this, here's, here's what's important about this. He says, if you come to my altar, if you try to come in my presence and you know that there's someone that has something against you, not that you have something against them, but there's an issue between you and someone else. He says, leave your gift at the altar, go and talk it out with that person, and then come back. What is he saying? I'm about to blow your mind. Jesus is saying, don't talk to me if you ain't talking to each other. How dare you come and try to bring me something and you ain't even talking to one another? How dare you come into church and ask me for something and the person you live with, y'all ain't even speaking. Jesus says, you know how important this is? I appreciate your gift. I appreciate your worship. I appreciate your prayers and your sacrifice. But can I just tell you something? If you really want to get it right, don't talk to me until y'all talk. Because isn't it easy? Because, you know, we do this, don't we? Well, we go to God and we call it prayer, but we're really talking to God about somebody else. You know what I'm talking about, right? Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You gossiping with God about your husband and your wife. God, you know what she did? And God's like, don't talk to me, talk to her. Jesus is so serious about this. He says, well, I appreciate your gift, your prayers, your worship, all that's great, and you should do it. But if you're not right with your brother and sister, we don't have anything to talk about. As a matter of fact, Peter confirms that in 1 Peter where he tells husbands that if you, if you have an issue with your wife, watch this, God doesn't even hear your prayers. What's the principle? Let's communicate with one another because it influences how well I can communicate with God. If you're not talking to them, don't talk to him. God says, don't, don't bring that to me. Go and fix it with them. And, and I love that Jesus allowed the young man to say what was on his heart. You don't have to agree. You don't even have to understand, but never silence somebody who has something to say. Can, can I just say this? The first sign of abuse, watch me, is when you take somebody's voice. The first sign of abuse, it might never get physical. It may just be emotional, but the first sign of abuse 
is when you refuse to allow somebody to have their voice. And even Jesus shut up and let the boy talk. We've got to resurrect communication. Here's the last thing, and then we'll get out of here. There's a resurrection of community. That's why I read verse 16. It says, great fear swept, watch this, the crowd, and they prayed. Some of y'all missed that. Because remember I told you, it's two different groups, two different experiences. For us as a church, one of our values is diversity. We got different races, different ages, different economic groups. We're all coming from different places. But did you notice that in that moment, Luke says, something transforming happened. It went from, did you catch what he said? It was a crowd going in, it was a crowd going out. It was this experience versus that experience. There was a collision, but by the end of it, Luke says, there was only one crowd. Okay, some of y'all just missed it. That when Jesus gets in the middle of it, I don't care how different we are. I don't care what your background, your race, your economic class is. When Jesus is central to how we relate, we go from being separate to being one. And Luke says that by the end of this whole story, there was only one crowd and they praise God together. You want to know how we can have more unity in our in our communities and in our country, how can we resurrect that? Put Jesus in the middle. Some of us got to learn to just shut up and let Jesus do his thing because the only shot we got at coming together is when Jesus is central to our relationship. I used to tell people, I love you because Jesus told me I had to. <laughs> and they would laugh just like that. I said, trust me, that's what you want. Because if you're depending on me to always treat you right based on how I feel, you in trouble because I'm flaky. I told you already, I'm up, I'm down, I'm, I don't know what, there's all sort of stuff going on in my life. And if you really want me to love you and to respect you and to be compassionate the way that I'm called as a Christian, I love you because Jesus told me to do it. And then somewhere along the way, we become one. The problem is you've been trying to love people with your own strength. You've been trying to forgive people with your own power. Luke says somewhere in the middle of that, they became something different. That's why I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. I'll just paraphrase it, that Christ broke down the wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles, between Jewish people and non-Jewish people, between different races, between different genders. That when Jesus died on the cross, all the walls that should be between me and you, he tore them down. Now, because of him, watch this, I have no excuse not to love you and not to show compassion to you. See, I take that serious. Jesus died for us to be together. Don't you ever take that for granted. Jesus died so that people from different races could come together and worship him. He died so that people from different genders can come together. Don't you ever treat his death as casual. He died so that I could sit next to you. You want a resurrection of community? Here's my last statement. We were redeemed to create community that Jesus, Paul says, tore down the wall of hostility and then through him he created an entirely new group of people. That's the church. And we were created to create more community. And we were made to praise him together. We want to resurrect some things in our life. You really want to live again, resurrect 
your compassion for those who are hurting. Resurrect your communication. God says, don't talk to me if you're not talking to them. And lastly, resurrect community. It's our job. If we really want to live and stop just existing, let's raise that stuff from the dead and let's live like we believe that Jesus died so that we can be together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity on this Mother's Day. We thank you, God, that you shared with us in your word that there were two different groups who had two different experiences, but central to their healing was a love that you distributed to them that can only be closely attributed to the same type of love that a mother gives. And so, God, we are thankful that you continue to love us in that way. And so I pray for all of those who today may be a tough day because I lost my mom or I'm away from my mom or I've lost a child or I've never been able to conceive, whatever that looks like. God, while we celebrate, we also mourn with those who mourn, but we also have hope and a promise that you promised that there's a certain love that the world will never go without because you'll give it to us yourself. And so, God, I pray that the same way as you gave love and compassion to the widow who lost her son, that you would help us to resurrect compassion, resurrect communication with one another, and resurrect community so that we will honor what you did on the cross because you died so that we can be together, so that we can really live. God, we thank you and we praise you for raising us up from the grave of sin. As we prepare now to take Holy Communion, remind us that it's our job to continue to create opportunities for others who can come into your family and who can be forgiven and risen from the grave. God, we thank you and we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.